Hey friends, we're so glad that you've joined us here today. My name's Kevin and I'm one of the pastors here at Friends Church in Orange. And whether you're watching this message online or listening to it in your car or on a run or wherever you are today, it's our hope that the words that are shared, that the message of God that is shared in this message will give you hope, life, and encouragement as you seek to live faithfully for Jesus in the midst of your world. If you'd like to connect with us, you can do so by going to our website. We'd love to meet you, we'd love to connect with you, and we'd love to serve you in any way we can. Good morning. Good to see you guys. I love uh, just everything that we get to be a part of in our city and our community. I love that you're here today. Uh, if it's your first time to Friends Church Orange, welcome. We're glad that you guys are here. We know that there are literally hundreds of amazing churches uh, all over this city and this county. And the fact that you guys would choose to come and be with us today, we count it a privilege and an honor. So we're grateful for that. Thank you guys. If you're part of our family and I know who you are because you sit in the same seats, welcome back. You know what I mean? I get to see all your faces and it's good to see you. Um, but one of the things we're going to talk about today is that little things make a big difference. And we understand this as we're going through our lives, right? Whether it's a smile that somebody gives us at just the right time. Maybe some of you were greeted by somebody on your way in, right? With a here to help sign, just saying, good morning, glad you're here. Knowing where to park, all the people out there in our vests. And we were talking as a team this morning, uh, the whole crew that just sets everything up to serve you guys well and just about, hey, the little things matter to everyone. And I I was reminded of this in my own life last night, uh, actually, that little things make a, a big difference through a washing machine. Uh, so we've gone through some washing machines at our house. We have four kids. We have done a lot of laundry in the last 20 years. Uh, I mean, it feels like it's constantly running. And so we got a new one, I don't know, about a year or so ago. And Holiday had been reminding me, she said, hey, there's some new pump filter thing that you have to clean or change on this one. I'm like, why would I have to do that? Like we've had four washing machines. We've never had this thing before. I've never had some pump filter cleaning thing. So I've been putting this off, putting this off. So finally last night was fine, I'll do it. I mean, but more joy than that probably though, huh, honey? More like, I'd love to do that is probably the way I said it. <laughs> Um, so I went in there and, you know, it's at the bottom and I'm trying to figure out how to do it. It takes half hour and I'm annoyed. But then it's like, get it all back together and go back to, you know, just the, a hard night of watching football. And so Holiday and I are there hanging out and pretty soon I walk in the other room and I, I walk into just a lake of water that's starting to pool from the washing machine. So we start grabbing towels and mops and we're trying to figure out what is happening and so we're trying to trace this thing down. And of course, guess where it's coming from? That wonderful little pump filter thing that I just had to clean and figure out what's going on. So then it, you know, we're trying to drain, it had already drained everywhere, like Lake Zimmerman is in our house. And, and I get this thing un, it's unscrewed and sure enough, there was a little washer that somehow had gotten pinched the wrong way when I screwed it back in, so there was just enough of a gap to flood our home. And I thought, what a sweet gift, you know what I mean? Just little things can make a big difference in life. And this is something we know to be true. Actually, there's an African proverb that says, if you think you're too small to make a difference, you haven't spent the night with a mosquito. Right, and instantly we all have a context for that. It's like, yes, I've had those things dive bomb my ear a million times at night. And often we do, we think we're too small to make a difference in this world. I mean, you start thinking about even the, the problems and the issues and the challenges that exist out there that even we just heard about. You think about the challenge and the problem of hunger 
and food insecurity. And it's easy to think, man, what could I possibly do? How would we step into that? You think about the hundreds of foster care kids that exist in our own community and go, what could I do? How could I participate in that? We drive around cities and the county and and the world and we see people experiencing homelessness and everybody cares and you're like, well, what could I do? How could I be a part? And we think we're too small to actually make any sort of a difference. And it's not just the out there problems. We all have problems in our own lives that we start to think this seems insurmountable. It seems like there's no way through this, whether it's a financial challenge that we're experiencing or a relationship that there's just so much pain and so much distance and so much hurt, it feels like that's impossible. There's no way anything could make a difference in that. But today, I believe that you're gonna be reminded about the power of one life. The power of of one life, the power of one life surrendered to and trusting Jesus and the difference that it can make, not just in your life, but the difference that it can make in this world. And so as we continue the series, Understanding Jesus, we've, we've been uh, unpacking 10 of the most uh, familiar stories, parables that he told. And these are stories that just have truth embedded in them. And Jesus was trying to communicate, not just so we could understand who he was, but we understand if we understand him or the way the kingdom works, we're gonna understand more about who we are and our identity that's found or designed to be found in him, and the kind of life that we can have. And so today we're gonna look at this story specifically where even Jesus looks at something really small, a seed, right? And it's one of these things, Jesus often used seeds. He talked about faith being seeds, at one like a mustard seed, right? And you think about something so small of a seed, but it's so powerful that it's, when it's sown in the right conditions, it can become something beautiful something majestic, something that is gigantic, that that little seed could make a giant sequoia redwood tree. And you think that's what we all want for our life. We want to be something that's beautiful and powerful and majestic, something that can withstand storms or even fires that come through our life and overwhelm us. And that's the kind of life that Jesus promises. And here's what you're going to see. What, what grows in your life is what's sown into your life. That's what Jesus makes really clear today. And so I believe that for every single one of us, Jesus is very clearly going to sow this seed of good news. And he's going to invite you for the first time or maybe remind you of the life that's possible when you walk with him. And so I want to invite you guys to grab your Bibles and turn to Mark chapter 4. If you brought your Bible, turn to Mark chapter 4. Digitally, knowing lots of you guys, you can scroll there. If you need a Bible, there's always some in that back corner, but I would love for you to have a Bible. I'll put it on the screen for you too. Mark chapter 4, starting in verse 3. This is Jesus speaking, and he says, listen. He wants you to listen to him. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it didn't have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants so that they didn't bear grain. Still other seed fell on the good soil. It came up, grew and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, and some 100 times. 
So you've got Jesus telling this story, right? And clearly you just, they would have instantly understood the context, just like we, I mean, it's farmers and seeds and soil. And so you can imagine them, there's not like giant harvesting machines and big fields and the giant me- mechanized sort of watering things. None of that's real then. So what was the context? So the farmers in that day, uh, they would have loose fitting clothing or like an apron and they would pour a bunch of seed in and they would harvest seed the way you would think. They would gather handfuls of it and they would just throw it. They would just scatter it. And some would have little fields by their houses or they'd scatter it around, but they would just scatter the seed wherever they went. And then oftentimes what they would do is they would plow it after the fact to get it to bury in the soil. And so that's what you have. And then he describes, of course, not just the farmer, but the soils. And he's describing as the farmer's walking around throwing and scattering the seed, here's what happens. Some of it naturally falls on the footpath. So there's footpaths that they would have not just to scatter seed, but even where it would go between the houses or whatever it was or out behind. And we understand a footpath. It's, some, it's a place that's been walked on a lot, right? And so you can imagine it's really hard soil. The seed that fell there would even be trampled and stepped on over and over and over again. So there's no way. It's impossible that it's going to grow into something meaningful. And then he talked about how some would fall on this rocky soil, maybe on the edges of the path or something like that. And we see places like this oftentimes, right, in our own paths or maybe even our driveways where it's like this really hard, rocky places. And there's these little green things that shoot up. And you're like, that's incredible. How does that happen? But we know that rarely are they meaningful and rarely do they last. Ultimately, they just die out. The thorny, right? Some of this would fall in thorns. There'd be bushes and thorn bushes all over. And you can see it would look something like this. There'd be some green there. There'd be a place where you could start to see this plant start to grow and something beautiful unfold. But yet, there's so many weeds and there's all these thorns and all of the weeds and the thorns and all this stuff is just absorbing and taking all of the nutrients. And it's probably even just taking the sunshine that it would need to grow. And so it never makes it. And then, of course, the last one is this good soil. These four kinds of soil, and the last one is a good soil. And it's, we understand what good soil looks like. We go and buy it at Home Depot when we need it, right? We don't plow, but it's like we get it. It's soft and it's tender. And you understand that, oh, that looks like a place. And here's what he says. When it's on the good soil, it's going to be multiplied 30, 60, 100 times over. And then it's interesting because the very next thing Jesus says, this is a context they would understand. And yet here's what he says. Whoever has ears to hear... Let them hear. So he must have been looking out a crowd of people. He shares this story. And somehow their faces are like, I don't get it. Right? Somehow they're confused. And it's interesting because this is, again, it's an agrarian culture. This is something they might have been standing in places where this existed. And yet there's something that wasn't quite translating for them. They just didn't get it. And so later, this is interesting because it's one of the parables, a specific story that Jesus actually very clearly explains it to them, which means he makes it really clear for us. Like there's no mystery about this one. He says, all right, I'm going to break it down for you. And what's interesting is there's still so many ways and places that we can get lost, even in today's world, thousands of years later, about the story. There's so many things that are debated. Well, like, did Jesus even say this? Some people think that it was actually added years later by the Christians so that we'd understand what it was. I don't know. Maybe. Oftentimes, even in that, we talk about the soils, and what does that mean, and what does that mean, and can you do this, and what is that? And it's like, I don't know. Maybe. So here's the deal. Here's what I believe Jesus is talking about and what I want to make crystal clear to you today. 
I'm going to focus on what we know. Does that sound good? Does that sound fair? I'm not going to get off on lots of tangents of what could be or might be because I believe that's actually one of the things Satan does just to distract us and to keep us from having to make hard choices. So I'm just going to give you what's clear and what I know beyond a shadow of a doubt Jesus was making obvious in this passage. Sound good? Now you're terrified. You're like, I don't know if I want that. I'd rather argue some things. Here's the thing. There's three things that are obvious in the story. A farmer, some seed, and some soil. Right? We can agree on that. There's the story. Like, this is it. These are the key players in this story. There's a farmer, some seed, and some soil. And we understand what a farmer does. Just anybody who, in that day, scattered seed. That's what the farmer did then, and that's what the farmer does today. The farmer, in this case, in this story, would be Jesus. He was the one scattering seed. In the very first thing, it says a farmer went out to sow his seed. So every farmer sows their own seed. Makes sense, right? You don't go steal it from your neighbor. So like you're, every, every farmer is scattering some seed. Jesus is scattering seed here. Second thing we see, the seed. What's a seed do? Something that goes into ground that grows something, right? Obvious. It's like these aren't trick questions. Jesus is like, there's a farmer and there's a seed, something that's thrown out and tossed out in hopes that it actually grows. We can agree on that, right? Right? Okay. In this case, the seed that is specifically being referred to is the seed of the good news. Literally, Jesus is going to explain it to you. It's the good news. It's the gospel of Jesus. And some of you, here's what's interesting. I was having a conversation with a friend of mine about a week or so ago. And this is somebody who's been to church his whole life, like lots of us, and grown up in and around. We've even looked at the Bible a little bit. And he asked some questions, and I said, wait a second. Have you ever, like, heard the story? Do you understand the gospel and the good news? And he said, well, I don't know. I go, let me just break it down for you. And so let me just break it down for us today. Because I want to be really clear about what the good news of Jesus is and why it's good news that even matters. So it all starts at the beginning, right, in Genesis. We get that. God created everything. You know what I mean? And it's beautiful. It's majestic. It's powerful. He designed it perfectly. And there's relationships between him and creation. And he literally says his most prized possession is Adam and Eve. People. Like, that's it, because he just wants to be in relationship with people. And then what happens? They screw it up. That's right. Call it whatever you want. Sin is the biblical word. And why does it get screwed up? Because they were lied to by Satan, who said, is God really good? What's he saying? Can God really be trusted? Does this story really? really? And then he says, you know what? You can be like God. And they went, really? Yeah, if you just eat that fruit. How many of you are aware of this story? Adam and Eve eating some fruit. A lot of head now. Right, so that's it. And my friend was like, that's crazy. I, never, I always thought Adam and Eve were just here to like populate the earth and have a bunch of human beings. And, like, and I'm like, no, they were here to enjoy each other and enjoy God, enjoy everything. And that was part of it, but they screwed it up. And so now all of a sudden, that desire of our heart to be like God and to not trust him, that's born into every single one of us. Like for thousands of years now, every human being comes, and we, that's our lean. Like we have this thing, it's called human nature. And we start to think we can do life on our own. A couple weeks ago, if you were here when I launched this series, I said, we all have a heart condition. And it's called life my way. 
We all want to do life our own way. That's what Jesus, that's the good news. That's the way. So we all want to do life our way. But here's the thing. God loves us too much. And he loves you too much. And he said, I can't let you do it. I don't want you to do life on your own. Because I know the kind of pain this world's going to bring into you because of the sin and the damage. I know the kind of pain you're going to create with and for one another. And he goes, and here's the problem. God is perfect and he's holy and he's good. You've heard all these words, right? And he can't even be around sin. He can't even be close to it. So he has this plan. He says, here's what I'm going to do. I know that you can't earn your way back into relationship with me. You can't be good enough. You can't serve enough. You can't give enough. You can't show up at church. Like all these things we want to do to just be good. Eventually what happens? We can't do it on our own strength. And so he's like, I don't even want you to try. I'm going to give you a way to be in relationship with me, which is Jesus. That's right. You're in church. I'm going I'm to set these softballs up, and Jesus is usually the way. To, so the obvious answer is Jesus. He says, I'm going to send Jesus into this world. And what does Jesus do? He's fully God. He's fully human. He lives this perfect life, totally dependent upon God. And he not only shares this message, he models his power of the Holy Spirit through miracles. And then ultimately, why? To die on the cross, which is Good Friday. And haven't you ever wondered, why did Jesus have to die? He had to die because all that sin and all that brokenness and all that damage, not that he did, but that we've done. And every human being does. He took all of that on. The punishment of that, the pain of that, the judgment of that goes with Jesus. And then, of course, what? He didn't stay dead. Easter, he rises from the dead to demonstrate what? That he has power over sin. He has power over evil. He has power over darkness. Jesus and Jesus alone has that power. And so then all of a sudden, he says, those who believe in me, those who believe that I'm the son of God, those who trust me, to save their life and take their sin, all of a sudden I give them this same power that raised me from the dead. It's unbelievable. So I'm talking to my friend. He's like, oh my gosh. He goes, that's unbelievable. I've never, I go, I know. That's why it's good news. Because it's the only thing that will change your life. Your thinking, your power, your strength, it won't change your life. This is good news. This is the seed that Jesus is sowing. This is the seed that he's sowing in your life today. So we have a farmer. We have this seed of good news. And then really what the story centers on is what? Soil, right? That's what the story is centering on. Clearly is the soil. Because why does this matter? That's the place where these seeds fall. And it's the condition of the soil that determines if it's going to grow or not. Is what Jesus is trying to teach us. That's what he wants you to hear today. The place where the good news or any other seed that gets tossed out is the soil of your heart. That's where something's gonna grow or not. And that's why he focuses on this because there's this key principle, I mentioned it at the intro, that we see all through God's word. Paul writes a bunch about it in his letters to the church in the New Testament. And this is, Jesus specifically speaks to it. I'll talk about that in a second. But he says this, what grows in your life is what's sown in your life. What grows in your life is what's sown in your life. The seeds that are taking root in your life, those are the things that are going to grow. And that also is what then you're going to scatter as a farmer to the world. So here's the way Jesus says it in Luke chapter 6. A good tree 
can't produce bad fruit. And a bad tree can't produce good fruit. Makes sense, right? So far? Like you got it? A tree is identified by its fruit. Figs aren't gathered from thorn bushes. Grapes aren't picked from bramble bushes. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from what's in your heart. That's right. So clearly what he's saying here, here, the soil is our hearts. And biblically, when it talks about heart, it's not like the thing that's pumping blood through your body. It's speaking about the core of your being, like the center of your life, the place that intellectually you are thinking about and making decisions from, the place that controls and holds your emotions, the place that, where things land spiritually. It's like it's everything that defines you. That's the soil, and it's your heart. And that's what's so important here because the soil and the heart is what Jesus, this is everything. Because these seeds are going to get scattered, including the seed of good news. They're going to land, and they're going to land where? On your heart. And the condition then of your heart and that soil is going to determine everything. That's what Jesus is saying. Now, here's what's beautiful about this. Who gets to decide the condition of our heart? You do. We all get to decide. You get to decide if you want to be the path or the rocky place or the thorn bush or the good soil. You get to choose it. That's what's beautiful is, is it's like God gives us the gift, just like he did Adam and Eve, of free will. He's like, I'm going to make this, this gift available to every single person, this gift of seed that can become a beautiful sequoia in life that can take over. But you get to decide because if he didn't let you decide, that wouldn't be loving. That would be slavery. He can't force you. Who, would you, who do you want to force you into a relationship? That sounds awful. So God just says, you get to, de- you get to decide today the condition of your heart. And that's the most important thing. And so, I'm just a farmer scattering seed today. The seed of the good news of a life with and trusting Jesus. I just want to invite you to consider what's the condition of your heart? That's the only question Jesus is presenting to you, just like he did to them. So let's just walk through this thing, because here's what Jesus did. He actually goes back to it, remember, and he explains it really clearly. So I just want you to think about what's the condition of my heart. And just be honest with where you're at today. So verse 14, Jesus said the farmer sows, sows the seed, which is what? The word, the good news, the gospel of Jesus. Some people are like the seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. So maybe you're like the path today. Maybe your heart is hard. And maybe it's because like seed that falls on path, maybe it's been trampled a lot. Maybe there's just a lot of pain and it's just been overwhelmed. And so what happens is you hear about this good news. You hear about this life with Jesus. You hear about the possibility. You hear that hope and love and kindness and forgiveness is possible. But you go, that seems impossible. And I tell you about who Jesus is and how he came into this world and how power is available in and through him. And you go, that doesn't seem, I doubt it. 
and you just put your arms up because you've had to your whole life. And you're like, I don't believe that. I can't believe that. Maybe that's you. Maybe you're like the path. The next verse, 16. Others like the seed sown on the rocky places. They hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they don't have any roots, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Maybe that's you. Maybe there was a time in your life. Maybe it was when you were a kid or a teenager. Maybe it was just a week ago or last year where all of a sudden this good news of Jesus, it took root in your life and you're like, this is amazing. Maybe it was emotion that overcame you. Maybe you would sing worship songs and weep about it. Maybe you would have prayer times and you would, God would speak. Maybe you would journal and maybe all of that has just started to take a back seat in your life. And maybe you're like, I, I remember that, but it feels so far away. Maybe that's you. Maybe people started asking you questions like, wait, so you're a Christian? And you're like, no, no, no. I mean, today's world, it's not easy to be a Christ follower. It's not easy to say you go to church. People really fascinated with Jesus, not so compelled by his people. So maybe you got friends. Maybe you got associates going, wait, you go to, ch- you go to church? Well, no, I just sometimes. You know what I mean? Uh, maybe, maybe that's it. Maybe the soil's a little rocky in your life. Verse 18, still others, like the seed sown among the thorns, they hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the world, making it unfruitful. Maybe you're like that thorny place. Maybe it's still there and it's green, but all of a sudden What? All the weeds and all the thorn, it just is overgrown and you can't even think straight or hear straight anymore. And where does it begin? It's so interesting. Where, you know where it begins? Worry. Isn't that interesting? All of a sudden, worry is what opens the door to what? Deceit and lies. You could start to hear Satan differently. You start to chase. And then what? The deceptiveness of wealth that somehow there's things in this world, this other seed that's getting scattered in your life every single day. Maybe that's it. Maybe it's about money. Maybe it's about politics. There's people sowing seeds in your life every day. Social media sows lots of seeds. Every time you're scrolling, you know what it is? Seeds. Wow, look at the seeds. The media, seeds. Just whatever it is. It's all day long. What's taking root? Maybe it's so overgrown you can't even see straight anymore. And here's the thing. Those things are going to choke you. And pretty soon, all of a sudden, you start living for yourself. You start to think you can't even hear God's voice anymore. And you start to think, I got to do it on my own. That worry turns into anxiousness and stress. And God's not there. And he's not available. And I can't even feel the sun anymore because this is all overcoming me. And I need to do it on my own. And I have to do it on my own. I have to make it. And then all of a sudden, maybe that self-reliance becomes self-indulgence. And then you start to think, I deserve to feel good. I don't deserve to feel this way. Maybe that's you. Maybe you're like the thorny place. And then verse 20, others like seed sown on good soil. Hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop, some 30, some 60, and some 100 times what was sown. And here's what's interesting. Jesus, very clearly to them, is answering the question why you would even want to follow Jesus. 
right? Because here's the thing. Again, they have context. We don't. So we hear, ah, 30, 60, 100 times. That sounds amazing, but I have no idea what that means. Crops in that day, as farmers are scattering seed and it's going everywhere, oftentimes what's growing up, a good crop, an average crop for them, right, was like six to eight times the seed that's being tossed. Six to eight times. So it's falling on lots of different soil, but what comes from the good soil is six to eight times what was actually tossed out. That's pretty good. A great crop, like a once in a lifetime kind of thing a farmer would experience in that day was 10 times, 10X what they get. And Jesus is saying, here's the good soil. Here's what it's gonna produce in your life. 30, 60, or 100 times. He like, is like, it's not even close. It's not even close what will grow in your life when you plow your heart to the point that this seed of the good news and the truth of Jesus and his power at work in your life, you can't imagine the hope and the joy and the peace. That's the picture he's painting. And that's what he's saying. He says it so clearly in John 10. He literally says, I've come that you might have life and have a full life. The only life available is through me. Here's what he's saying. When this seed takes root, it's like the giant sequoia. It's like, it's beautiful, it's majestic, it's, it's wondrous. People are startled by it. You don't move and it's sturdy. And what does it do? It creates groves. There's relationship and family and community. For extra credit, read Acts chapter two, particularly the end, because this is what you see growing in the early church. People were so compelled by the seeds that Jesus had sown in these early disciples that had said, yes, all of them wanted to be a part of that. Like, I wanna be a part of that because they were scattering seeds. This is what he's saying. And everything we want is on the other side of this yes with the good soil. Look at what it says in Galatians. Here's the fruit. The fruit of the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Look at that list for a second. Isn't that the kind of person you want to be? And isn't that the kind of people you just want to be around? And we got to remember what grows in our life is what's sown into our life. And that's the seed that we scatter as we walk through life. This is everything we want. So the question that I'm sure you have, because it's the one that I have when I read things, is like, so why didn't they all say yes to Jesus? I mean, it's Jesus standing there telling them this story, living it out in front of them, clearly explaining to him, he's like, I'm that guy. Like, this is it. It's me. And yet we know not all of them say yes. You ever thought about that? Why, don't, why doesn't everybody say yes to believing and trusting and following Jesus? Well, it's one of the things I love about the Bible is how honest it is. It's not naive. And even Jesus tells us really clearly in this passage. If you go back to the very beginning, there's an enemy that's opposed. It's the same enemy. Started whispering to Adam and Eve in the garden. Did God really say, are you sure 
that deceit, the lie, the subtlety. Jesus even names him in verse 14 in this passage, right? When he talks about the path, he says the seed falls, but before they have a chance to even plow, what happens? He talks about a bird at the beginning, and then at the end he says, Satan comes and steals that seed. And here's the thing, we see that, that he wants to come at every soil and every stage. Satan is absolutely relentless. And in that same passage in John 10 where Jesus says, Haha, I've come that you might have life and have it to the full. Here's what he says about Satan. There's a thief, Satan, who comes only to steal and kill and destroy. That's it. He's coming to steal the seed. He's coming to kill you. He's coming to destroy. He's coming to lie. He's coming to grow and scatter as many seeds for weeds and thorns and everything you can imagine. He's coming to entice you to chase all these things. He's coming for you. There's an enemy who's absolutely opposed to this. And this is what we see. He names him in, in the first one on the path, but we see it played out in every soil. That's what we talked about. The rocky soil, the forgetfulness. Did God really, are you sure that really happened? Did you really trust Jesus with your life? Are you sure you're a believer? Are you sure you're going to, like, did that, did you? Were you really baptized? Dad, it just starts asking questions like that. Accusations and fear. We see it played out, like I said, in the thorns. He's gonna scatter seeds of distraction and despair and self-indulgence all around our lives. Worry is gonna open a door to anxiety and pretty soon that's fear and then we have to control. We just see it. At work all the time, even in the good soil. He doesn't quit. Satan's relentless. And I see this even this week as I've been stirring around this. For me in this season, I've realized, where is this at play in my life? And I was having conversations this week with people like, where do you see these weeds of life just choking you, strangling you? And they started talking about how they'd feel it an over-responsibility, Satan would start to lie to them and tell them you're a failure just because they made a mistake. It's going to be defined by a moment instead of a lifetime. Choices, whatever they made. For me in my life, one of the things I've been wrestling with these past couple weeks is what does it look like to become a father of adult children and still trust God? And some of you, you get this. For others, you may face it someday. But I remember, the, you know, parenting young kids was physically exhausting for me. It was so challenging. Holiday was like, this is the best. We should have 20. And I'm like, no, I'm barely surviving. But it was so interesting because, you know, one of my friends gave me this illustration. I've just been asking people, like, how do you make it through? You know, a few years ago, we kind of launched our oldest daughter, and she stayed pretty close. She moved out with some roommates, and she's doing great. She's been going to school, and she got a job, and she's just kind of crushing life. And then our boys ended up in this great adventure of college and sports and what does that look like and all those pressures and it's, it feels way more like a business now than fun with my friends in high school. And on a daily if not weekly basis, they're writing these moments of highs and lows and injuries and depth charts and anxieties and fears and what's it going to look like. And I've found myself doing that with them and it was exhausting me and I know it's crushing them. And I was talking to one of my friends a couple weeks ago, and he just, he said, Kyle, remember when your kids were really little, like babies? Remember when you dedicated them, right? We do baby dedications here, child dedications. Some of you have been a part of that. We're going to do them next week. And basically, it's this powerful moment where you just stand 
as a family in front of the church family and you acknowledge, God, these kids aren't mine. You created them. You just gave them to me to, to take care of and to raise and to steward for this season. And you acknowledge to do that the best you can, right? With God's word and this seed at the core. And he's like, remember when you did that? And I'm like, yeah. And he goes, but it was pretty easy because your hands still got to be around them all the time, physically, one way or another. They would come home every day. You would get to shape them, speak to them, all that kind of stuff. They're coming home. They're going out there. Like they were right there. They were close. They were physically present. And now all of a sudden you launch them out into this world and there is just kind of a holy terror that exists in that. And he just said, Kyle, what you need to do, you need to rededicate your kids. You need to remember the choice and the decision that you made based on that seed God put in your life. You need to remember that he's been good and that he's been faithful and that he's been kind. You need to remember who he's been every step of the way. You need to remember and you need to have gratitude and you need to believe and have hope that he is faithful and he's gonna continue to do these things. And, okay. and I'm like, that's right. And just that idea of remembering and gratitude helped pull a bunch of weeds out of my life Help me just soften the soil of my heart again to what God was doing. And it reminded me what grows in my life is what's sown into my life. And so the question that I have for you today, I think it's the same question Jesus was asking everybody who listened to him that day, which is, what's the condition of your heart? What's the condition of the soil in your life? Because at the end of the day, I'm just a farmer who's been just up here scattering seed all morning. The seed of the good news, the seed of the gospel, the seed of hope in a full life that can only exist with and through Jesus, the seed of forgiveness, the seed of kindness and gentleness and compassion. But what really matters is what's the condition of your heart? So as you think about that, I just want to invite you into not only honesty with what that is, but maybe a, a, a practical step you could take. For those of you that feel like you're on the path and life has just maybe trampled you, or maybe you've chosen just to harden your heart to who God is. Maybe you're the, you're the person that's just had your arms up for a long time and just said, I, I doubt. I doubt that's true. I doubt this is possible. I doubt that Jesus is going to see me that way. I maybe it's time to just put your arms down and turn that question from my doubt. Just turn it to, I wonder. I wonder. I wonder if God's really this good. I wonder if Jesus is really who he says he was. I wonder. And just keep showing up and inviting God to speak to you. For some of you, maybe on the rocky soil, maybe it's time to count the cost. Jesus was really honest that following him, trusting him, believing in him, then and today, is, it's really hard. 
There will be obstacles and challenges. There will be persecution. There will be, and maybe it's time. Maybe it's time to count the cost. For those of you, maybe the thorny soil, and you feel like there's so much cloudiness or fogginess or weeds that have grown in your life, maybe it's time to pull some weeds. Maybe it's time you need to pull some weeds of self-reliance. Maybe you need to pull some weeds of self-indulgence. And maybe it's time to move towards self-discipline. Maybe you're, you've just decided, I'm gonna do what I want, when I want, how I want my whole life. And it's time to go, oh no, I wanna do what Jesus wants, when he wants, and how he wants. And let him really be Lord of your life, not just Savior. Or maybe for some of you, you're, you're like me, you've got good soil, a seed that's been planted that you've said yes to. But just the lies or the worry and anxiety of this world that we've all been through has just opened a door to fear. And you've grabbed a hold of self-reliance or whatever it might be. Maybe it's time to just surrender that and let it go. And invite the power of the Holy Spirit to just whisper to you and remind you of who you are. Bring back the, the fruit of that sequoia tree of love and joy and peace and patience, kindness, faithfulness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. I'm gonna invite you, if you would, just to close your eyes and bow your heads. Here's what I believe. I believe that every single one of you, you know, in your heart of hearts, where you're at today, the soil, the condition of your heart. And remember, you, you get to decide. I want to invite those of you with, with hard hearts or maybe rocky soil just to choose to plow it and soften it. Maybe for those of you with those thorns, just to pull them, pull the weeds. And choose to let the seed of good news, the gospel of Jesus, of life, a full life, a life of hope, a life of forgiveness, a life of grace, a life of compassion, a life of care. To just sink deeper into your, into your heart. So Father, I pray that as you continue to speak to every single person here today, reminding them of your love for them and your passion for them as a good dad, that you would help them to take the next step of faith that you're calling them to take. For some, maybe it's the first step of faith, of just saying yes and, and, and believing and trusting and choosing to follow Jesus. For others, maybe it's choosing to let go of self and pull the weeds of some of the seeds that this world has sown in our hearts and our lives and walk just more wholeheartedly with you. But through the power of your spirit, would you continue to speak and give us the humility and the courage to just say yes 
as we listen and respond to you.